0: Welcome to Page Break. I'm Jeremy. I'm Madison. This is the show where me and Madison talk about screenplays and then the movies that are birthed from them.
1: Every episode, one of us will pick a movie or television show to analyze and compare.
0: And then see where the conversation shall take us. The movie we're talking about this week is a favorite movie of both of ours, but this was actually Madison's pick, and I was so happy when she picked it, Big Fish. Big Fish. Telling the story of my father's life, it's impossible to separate fact from the fiction. The man from the myth. The best I can do is to tell it the way he told me. Directed by Tim Burton with a screenplay by John August.
1: And based off of the Daniel Wallace novel, The Big Fish.
0: Excellent, Excellent point, because that has a lot to do with actually... The thing about some movies, especially the ones that are written based off of books, is that... They have. I don't know if you feel this way too, but I feel like they have got like a certain feel about them mm-hmm. that original screenplays that just come out of somebody's head don't necessarily. Yeah, have. I think it. It
1: has a lot to do with world building. You know, when you're just coming up with an original screenplay, all of that stuff is in your your head, in the writer's head. But if it's already fleshed out by someone else, and then it's, you know, you have someone else coming in and diving into it and extracting a story, it feels like a like a worn sweater you know it's not brand new but
0: you don't you don't feel like the writer is doing all this work in the first like 10 pages to get your attention right it's like they already know they have a story and they already know they can get your attention so they just kind of I think they're the words feel more relaxed it doesn't feel as frantic it doesn't feel as like I have to secure your attention in 30 seconds otherwise you're going to put this down because it's like no 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 I got you, little baby bird. I'm going to hang on to you, and we're going to be fine going through this little story of ours.
1: My favorite part of this script is on page two. This is a southern story full of lies and fabrications, but truer for their inclusion. I love that. It's just—it's brilliant.
0: <laughs> Are you a fan of that? Are you a fan of like second page after title page, like little explainers on screenplays?
1: Oh, I love it. I love it in books. I love it. It just kind of like it gives you a sense of personality, like what the, what it's going to be like, like right off the mm-hmm. bat. So
0: it like sets a tone, an expectation, yeah. and it's not for the movie because the movie can has music, it has literal images, it can do whatever the hell it wants, and it can set this expectation based off all these other senses all we have are the words
1: i think that something like this like this one sentence is a great example of how no matter the medium and how that how the story shifts from medium to medium i think that getting to the heart of the story is the story the Mm -hmm. the plot and whatever happens in it just the fact that the book works the movie works the script works but yet certain things are not in the book that were in the movie or the screenplay isn't exactly Mm -hmm. like the movie but right this line this is a southern story full of lies and fabrications but truer for their inclusion just kind of tells you the story and i think that As far as the way screenplays work and structure, I think that this sentence is a perfect way to help the reader Mm -hmm. understand that maybe some of these things are going to be a little bit strange or it might not make sense or like it's kind of warning you to keep up because it's going to jump around. Exactly.
0: The thing that I get out of this first act is, frankly, I'm not sure. Where or how this movie doesn't operate under that structure, weirdly enough, it doesn't really feel like it's a. It's not classically three acts because we're Mm -hmm. dealing with two concentric weaving stories of Will and his father. And honestly, if we're gonna put a point where the first act is actually like like the big like going on a journey character shift, it's not. It's Mm -hmm. not Will. It's his father. In the story about right. Carl the Giant and actually leaving Ashton for the first time, and I'm a big, I'm a, I'm a small, i big fish in a small pond. I, I'm much for bigger things. Structurally, that's very interesting because th- this movie does a magic trick. None of this stuff is real, but we're going to act like it is, and we're going to make you think that the real story we're telling is is, is Will's narrative. When in truth, we're actually telling both, but the main driving thrust of everything is going to be these fake stories. I think it's
1: fascinating because it's much more interesting of a story, which kind of proves his point. You know, this is more interesting Mm -hmm. than real life.
0: (laughs) Right. Because it's like we don't, we never get an honest moment from Edward. Like in the first, like the first act is Will coming home to see his dad. And. He, doesn't, he just wants the real story of his father. Like, that's all he wants. Like, he knows his dad's dying. I just, he's like, I just want the truth. What actually happened, I want, I want the, the truth of these stories you've been telling me my entire life. And Edward is just like, I've been telling you the truth my entire life. I've been doing all these things. And Will is just frustrated by that. And mm-hmm. he's like swimming in these memories. And what John August does very, I think, smartly, it allows the stories to, to drive the, the narrative he'll he he does not cut in on them he gives them their due honestly if you read the script and look at the movie the scenes that got cut were all real world scenes like there mm-hmm. is not if I, I may be mistaken but i don't think there's anything in the actual in the actual movie of fantasy that got cut the scenes that got cut were little scenes with will Everything that 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 um, the mother does, that Sandra does in the entire movie, Jessica Lange is a footnote in this movie, Ugh, which okay. is which is a travesty. Uh, but frankly, the yeah. scenes, the, but here's the thing though, the Frank, the scenes with her in it aren't important. She, like mm-hmm. the, the scenes with her and Will, like talking in the grocery store, which happens in like mid act two, doesn't it? Doesn't sound important to the story because that's not what the narrative is about. And honestly, Sandra's purpose is mostly as a guide through the story.
1: I think my favorite thing about this screenplay is just, and I guess this is kind of redundant to say it because we wouldn't really be talking about it otherwise, (laughs) but it's so so well done. It's so good. Because if you read it and then immediately watch what what it is, like Mm -hmm. if you read it at the same time, or if you read it and then immediately watch the movie, the script captures the essence of the film, like, Perfectly, oh, yeah. like it's on. Like they're they're like married, you know. Like what he has written down is what's on that screen. Very much so. Like not not just visually, but like the soul of it. What I
0: love about it is the fact that this is very much a movie that you can tell Tim Burton trusted the material on. Mm-hmm. To me, this is a John August movie. This is a movie that mm-hmm. is all in the words. It's all in the performances. Well, it's not a flashy film. It's a very simple I think film. That's
1: I think it's because it's about storytelling and who is doing the storytelling. You know, like, there's so many layers. I mean, I think that's another thing that I love about it is just there are so many different layers. Mm -hmm. And I think that you could see very much how how much fun, I guess, John August had. Because he—you can see his hand in the screenplay, like— In a very good way, right?
0: John John August is the king of like writing scene description in a way that is enjoyable to read.
1: Because scene description can
0: become basically stereo instructions if mm -hmm. you're not a good writer. Well,
1: and he wrote the screenplay like a novel, in that it's just as fun to read. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it felt like. He was telling a story. He wasn't just, you know, telling us what's on the screen so that right. the
0: camera can do its job. Here's another thing. I was just scrolling through the script. And and basically, I think we can agree that the first act of this movie is kind of just... it. This movie just flows. It just goes. It doesn't have the normal ebbs and flows of mm-hmm. a normal narrative because it's about a journey that we know the end to. Like, it's like we already know where Edward ends up. And mm-hmm. we already know kind of where it, end, where it is. And I would contend, and this is my big flag in the ground sticking point of this movie that I will will love this thing forever is because this movie I will contend if it does not have one line of dialogue is not brilliant there is one line that makes this thing transcendent if you don't Mm -hmm. have that this movie is good but it is not the thing that makes you melt even thinking about Now for a quick reading demonstrating John August's (laughs) impeccable scene description. This is from the scene at Auburn where Don Price confronts Will. Uh, Sandra says, it's Don. Promise me you won't hurt him. Edward says, if that's what you want, I swear to it. The adult Don Price arrives. He's 230 pounds of Mm -hmm. football-playing, Skinner-loving, fraternity-proud muscle, and he's pissed.
1: (laughs) Yes. It's it's great. It's so
0: good. And it's, it's not necessary. Another writer mm-hmm. – because, like, and me, me and me and Mads have both read a million screenplays. Other writers, frankly, would just say Don Price lumbers into the field of daffodils stomping on them. Like, he, right. like you don't have – I think the, the core of what this show is about is that there's a million ways to write anything. And no yeah. one person will ever write something the same <laughs> way. John August is not necessarily someone that you have to, like, say, I'm going to write like him – he writes like him, but there's lessons to be learned and things that he does brilliantly that...
1: Yeah, like how to capture it.
0: How, how, do, how cause, Because here's the thing about writing screenplays that is so frustrating. You are working within a sandbox that has dimensions that you can't go beyond. You are dealing mm-hmm. with a set number of pages-ish. You're dealing with a set format. You are, this isn't a novel where you can write 17 pages about one idea you have dialogue you have scene direction and frankly you have to write things down that can be filmed that can be seen and touched and manipulated you can't write about the esoteric nature of humanity you have to externalize it in a way and Mm -hmm. what john august is brilliant at is creating a mental picture that i know exactly how you would put on a screen I know how you. I know how you address Don Price based off that. I know how the actor would know how to perform and how to what he is as a person now. You have all that already is built into who you are, and like car- initial character descriptions are very important for that. What well, well. I
1: think too is he doesn't even stop at the scene descriptions; he takes it one step further, and even some of the dialogue helps with that. Mm-hmm. Like. On page seven, um, Will says, In telling the story of my father's life, it's impossible to separate the fact from the fiction, the man from the myth. The best I can do is to tell it the way he told me. So not only in scene descriptions does he kind of hold your hand and tell you, okay, you know, the most entertaining way to describe this or um, get the point across quickly, but even in the dialogue, he... He gets right to the point, you know? Like It's interesting dialogue, and it goes ahead and tells you how this is going to exactly.
0: go. Exactly. He wants to set up an expectation for you. He wants you to know the kind mm-hmm. of story you're about to get into and follows through with it. One of my favorite things about this story structurally is how important his death is. And how important, oh, yeah. not only just his death, how important the witch's eye story is to this whole thing the witch's eye story has the most important not the most important line but the most important setup for the most important line and it where basically oh, yeah. basically he says he's talking to the witch and saying you know most people would be scared to know how they die but if dying was all you thought about it might screw you up but i think if i knew how i was going to die then maybe i would know that nothing could kill me that i could do whatever i wanted and this Idea from this child being articulated to the witch basically sets up the idea that, oh, okay, Will, I mean, Edward knows how he's gonna die, so what do we have to worry about? Then later on in the script, Edward mentions the story to Will and says, I saw it in the eye. And then Will's like, you gonna tell me how it happens? And Edward's like, no, no, no. It's a, it's a it's a it's a secret. It's a secret. I'm not gonna tell you just yet. And right. What's amazing about that is once you get to the end of the story, you understand who Edward Bloom is, and the fact that he's been lying all these years and embellishing for a very specific reason. And that reason is, frankly, he is terrified. Of dying. I think so. That is my reading of this. Is like that thing that he is the most afraid of is his own death, his own inexistence. And so he'll pretend that he knows. He'll pretend that oh, mm-hmm. I'm fine. I'm not worried. I'm not scared. Everything's cool. Everything's great. It's a surprise ending. You're gonna want to be there to see this. And he doesn't. And it's how we realize he doesn't, and also how. It's ultimately un- the understanding between father and son that ultimately comes at the end of the story when Will finally understands his father is mm-hmm. painfully profound in a way that's in the way that's deeply affecting to me and I know a lot of other people. But again, we'll get to that. I really want to talk about the ending of this movie, but we can't do it yet. We're not there, We're not yet. there yet. Okay.
1: Speaking of the witch, though, okay, which? the description this the description of the witch on page thirteen had me like in tears. Hit me with it. So. Says she looks like she's been dead for years, but too stubborn to lie down. (laughs) And I just thought that was so great. I feel like that. Ugh. Like, I want a whole movie based off of her now.
0: So, Act Two, which is essentially everything that happens after Ed walks away with Carl, I would contend Act Two has the dimensions thusly. It's after he walks off with Carl all the way to the point where Will finds the deed to Spectre.
1: I think it's interesting, too, that um, John August mentions on his website the fact that, like, yes, that is a form of Act Two, but also if you're going to look at the story, the central story, be, you know, the relationship between him and his father, and you're, you know, because if you're just going by um, Edward's journey, in this you know made up story that kind of localizes the story it's just about that it has nothing to do with you know the father son thing Mm -hmm. so i think that that's an interesting fact to bring up is where is act two since that is you know only really important to like that character so where would it be for the other storyline exactly
0: because that's the thing about
1: so structurally, this is all over the place, but it works.
0: <laughs> well, what's weird about act two of this movie is that, frankly, I don't think any of the stories beyond him meeting Sandra actually matter that much. The story of him going to war doesn't oh, yeah. really matter. It's a good story and it's fun and it gets him back home and it's... Really sweet and the story of him being a traveling Salesman again is really sweet him meeting Back up with with northern Winslow And they rob banks together like all that Is fantastic but they don't They aren't baked Into the bones of the story To where if you take those out I think your movie can still exist And the emotional beats can Mm -hmm. still Exist Um, And now they may not be As potent but it's not like If you take out that chunk of the story And I may be wrong I don't know if you actually would lose any real understanding. Uh, it's so
1: hard to tell because, like I said, everything is so blended together so beautifully that, like, I, it would almost pain me to take any of those parts out. So <laughs> agree,
0: Completely agree.
1: I just—I don't know. I'm not even saying— I, I'm not it's saying— It's just
0: becoming— Yeah, I'm not saying that you, you should or you need to. Right. Just,
1: I just don't even know how I would picture it. <laughs>
0: uh, that, that is one of—and I was just about to talk about a few, like, of my favorite changes between script and movie. One of my favorite changes is you actually get to see, you actually yes, get to I see was just Winslow's that. How poem. funny is that? My oh, second so favorite change is a little more subtle. When Will is flying in the airplane going to, uh, he's in Vietnam or, or maybe he's dropping into China, I'm not sure, but he's about to paratroop in. In the movie, uh, it's just him over VO basically saying, I had to go and do a tour and, Uh, the, 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 what was it? The hitch in the army was up to three years at that point. And having waited three years just to meet Sandra, I knew I couldn't survive being away from her that long. So I took every hazardous assignment I could find with the hope of getting my time down to less than a year in the script. Um, what follows is Will trying to jump out of his plane and his, and his parachute getting stuck. (laughs) And him twisting and falling and struggling, trying to get get himself out of there, and then finally getting out and falling in a completely different place than he was supposed to. Mm-hmm. What the movie does, instead, is shows him just saying, okay, I'm reading my Chinese to American dictionary, closing it up, see you, sir, and jumping out of the airplane. Mm-hmm. The big difference there is twofold. One the movie version makes him feel like the Edward Bloom that we know, which is supremely confident, I'm not going to die, I'm good, I don't even have to worry about this. Number right. two, it implies that what he's about to do is something he's been planning. That, that meeting up with the singers and smuggling his own way out of uh, Asia was always his game plan. Mm-hmm. Which is weird, because it feels like an Edward Bloom move, but it also feels very contradictory to what we just heard him say. So it's, it's an odd thing um, where it's like, which is the truth? Honestly, neither of them's the truth. That was a that was a very clear, distinctive change that was made on the screen to shift how we see Edward and make it make more. I think honestly, honest to who Edward is presented. Another as Another part
1: of, and I'm probably jumping all around the X here because we, we've been
0: jumping around everywhere at this point. Some
1: of my favorite moments are from um, the the circus mm-hmm. stuff because they're so like that's so wild but it's just all the character that he puts into this like small section of the story that hinges upon him finding Sandra in this like larger than life way. Mm -hmm. And I think what is so impressive to me about that is like, that's the moment in the script that I feel like you could get bogged down. Mm -hmm. You know, you could get a little bit bored by that point, but you don't, (laughs) or at least I don't. (laughs) Um, He picks it up with a lot of, Jokes and like even the <laughs> the part where he's where Amos is having Carl sign the contract. <laughs> God, that was the funniest the part. Best line. Tell me, Carl, have you ever heard of the term involuntary servitude? <laughs> Carl shakes his head. Nope. Unconscionable contract. That's great. That's fantastic.
0: <laughs> it's so good because it's it's just. You should feel bad for Carl, but you're like he'll be fine. Like it's like there's no threatening there. Right. Like it's not like you're actually it, scared for him or anything. But it
1: also gets you through the screenplay it does. too. Because it was it like was it necessary for the story? No, no. like. Carl has nothing to do with that moment, but does it get you through the movie and the script mm-hmm. and, like, give you a giggle? Like, it adds to it so right. much, but yet it's not central to the story. Right. But it also doesn't deter, and I think that that's such an important part of the way this is written. Mm-hmm. Like, it just, it's, it's entertaining the whole it's, way it, through, which is exactly what Edward Bloom's whole life mission exactly. is. So, like, it's just, I, it's so perfect like it's an example of its own thesis it's a beautiful
0: know? thing i will say though that um edward does get shot in this movie oh, right. yeah 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 when when yeah, yeah, when yeah. calloway's okay, a werewolf a
1: terrible when Callaway's
0: a werewolf the clown shows up the oompa <laughs> loompa from willy wonka shows up and That's pulls right. a gun and cries and shoots and will get oh, shot in the, and mean never gets shot in the it shoulder also,
1: like adds to the whole this is very much just a a, a fishing tale you know
0: frankly what i think is the biggest reason to talk about this movie is (laughs) the bow at the end where because here's the thing that's so odd about the ending of this movie in any other movie you would have seen edward have his stroke you would have been there you would have in the moment and seen that actually happen you don't
1: because you would you would need that like quote-unquote you would need that like emotional moment right
0: you would need to be there in the moment to see that happen to get this gut punch of a thing but they hold off and they don't do that they let will we Mm -hmm. discover it with will which is heartbreaking to see Mm -hmm. edward in that bed just all life gone from him like just a shell of himself is so so just just soul-crushing but then the thing, that, the thing that ties this entire movie together, the reason why this is brilliant, is when Will is sitting with his father and he's trying to say something and Will doesn't know what he's saying. I'm, I'm just going to read the damn thing. I'm just going to read it because, yeah. because I, I might cry. Um, I, I so cry good. every time this, this scene comes on. I cried explaining Mm -hmm. it to my girlfriend, Kristen, the other day. Uh, She cried watching it the other day. She didn't admit this to me until much later, but um, it's it's incredible. Uh, Okay. Interior hospital room pre-dawn. It's very early morning. The first blue light of day is glowing through the vertical blinds. Still in his chair, Will wakes up a bit. The notepad is on his lap, a pen in his hand. He cracks his neck, crooked from sleeping on it wrong. What woke him up? He looks to his right, holds his gaze for a breath. Dad? His father's awake, silently gasping for breath. His eyes are open, scared and confused. Dad, do you want me to get a nurse? Edward shakes his head unambiguously. Will already has a finger on the orange nurse call button, but doesn't push it. Will, what can I do? Can I help? Can I get you something? Water? Edward nods. Will pours a glass from the pitcher on the nightstand. He holds it to his father's lips, but Edward won't drink. He pushes it away. He wanted something else. Edward, whispering, The river. The river? It takes Edward all his strength to put together each thought. It's like he's only half there, fighting to hang on to this world. Edward, tell me how it happens. Will, how what happens? Edward, how I go. He doesn't know. And the fact Mm -hmm. that he doesn't, the fact that he doesn't know.
1: Oh, but it, it gets even better.
0: Everything. Yeah, that's not even the whole thing, because then you get to, on Will, realizing, you mean what you saw in the eye? Edward nods. Yes, that's what he was trying to say. A long beat. Will, I don't know that story, Dad. You never told me that one. And then Will (laughs) has to tell his father the story of how he dies.
1: The part that gets me is the... The line that says "fighting the urge to panic."
0: Oh wow! Yeah. Oh my god.
1: Like that is just like he, because he doesn't know what
0: to do. He's ne- like he, yeah. he's so he knows the magnitude of this moment, and he knows I can't mess this up. But I, I'm lost. I don't know how to do this. But then he mm-hmm. then he asks his dad for help. Just tell me how it starts.
1: Well, and it's also interesting, like bringing up the nurse call button, like again, it, it almost gives you that moment of like earlier in the film, right? You know, he might've pressed the button because he didn't have that kind of respect for his father for sure, in the beginning. Sure. But now, you know, you're seeing like that choice mm-hmm. to not press the button. Like this is a moment like between he and his dad. The
0: thing that makes this script amazing and the story amazing and the film amazing to me is the line. Tell me how it happens. Because in that line, You get so many things. It is the first true thing that Edward has said to his son this entire movie. That he doesn't know how he dies. That they were all just stories. That he's afraid. That he needs to know. Because if he doesn't know, he can't face what's coming. That all Mm -hmm. of his stories were a way of trying to push away that idea that at the end, you don't know how you're going to go. And for Will, it's Will acknowledging, I get you, Dad. Mm -hmm. You're just scared. And you wanted to be this great man for me. Because at the end of the day, the the whole fish and, and the whole catch and release of the catfish thing is all about Will. It's like about Sandra because she's, quote unquote, the fish. But it was it happened the day will was born. It's his story of why he wasn't there when will was born, like it's all about being this person to his son and being important and mattering and right. and at the end, there, all pretense is gone, and it's just a man mm-hmm. a man who's afraid of dying and a son who doesn't know what to do, and the only thing he knows how to do yeah is tell his father this story. Well,
1: and I think that idea is reinforced by the fact that Will is about to have a son himself. Exactly, so that, exactly. That, like, his dad's message is not lost on him no. in the end because of Will having his own child.
0: Right, 100%. And Because
1: I think that, you know, even for us, that, that might have gotten lost a little mm-hmm. bit. It would have just been a sad story. But the fact that, you know, there's this circle of life and death right. and it's coming back around, right. like... It kind of forces you to be like, oh, like this is about a father-son relationship. Mm
0: -hmm. And that's the thing. It's like the only, not the only major turn, but the only major turn to me that occurs between father and son is that moment. Because Edward Mm -hmm. never gives before then. Will never gives before then to Edward. They are impassibly one or the other until that moment when Edward finally gives in and is honest. And then Will has to meet him halfway and they understand each other.
1: That reminds me of the dialogue from page seven where Will says, the truth is I didn't see anything of myself in my father Mm -hmm. and I don't think he saw anything of himself in me. We were like strangers who knew each other very well. Oh God,
0: that line is so That's such a...
1: It's so good and it's heartbreaking because you can, like, you Uh, feel that pain and you can almost put, you can put yourself in his shoes just the way he told that. And, you know, to come back around to that ending it's just such a nice little reconciliation of like okay I, you know i'm starting to see who you are and even if i don't i can try right like, i'm
0: i'm will i I'm, might
1: i might be a little late but i i, I can try for mm-hmm. you now because no, and it's just so sad
0: because nobody in the story ever says that edward is wrong in what he's done other than mm-hmm. will sandra doesn't think edward does anything wrong neither does will's right. wife um uh, like Will is just the one who has to get over this. And mm-hmm. he finally, but, but because he won't give in to anything of his dad. Like, he won't allow him to be not right, but to have to disregard his own frustrations for his father. Whereas everybody else just finds him charming. Will is just like, I don't know this person. This is a, this is a man who I've never actually known.
1: Mm hmm.
0: But the, only time, the first and only time that actually happens is at the very end of Edward's life. When Will, in a line, understands, not, not just because he's seen all the Spectre stuff and he's talked to Jenny and he understands that side of his father, he understands why mm-hmm. his father told all those stories. He understands why his father kept up the facade and wanted to be bigger than life. Because this goes back to what I thought, what, what I was saying earlier about the witch's eye. I think Edward Bloom is terrified of dying. That's why he kept up this fantasy. He wanted to be immortal. He wanted to be a tall tale. He wanted to be this thing that was bigger than life, bigger than a man, bigger than one life. And at the end of the day, ultimately he was. But when you're facing down oblivion, mm-hmm. and there's no more stories to tell, because you don't know what's going to happen. I think too.
1: I think too like a big part of the story is not just you know if you know when you're going to die or if you're afraid of dying you know what it what is what does your life look like then but i think the stories too were his way of trying to live more you know like if think about it this way if you knew you were going to die you were going to you would probably live as much as you could so i think too like the storytelling was like another way of you know, living life to the fullest.
0: Absolutely. Because he was just a traveling salesman. There was nothing special about Mm -hmm. Edward Bloom other than the fact that he could tell very good stories. That's all he had. And his son never appreciated that or could understand that, which at the end of the day, when you go to the funeral and all these people are actually there and it's not the truth, but these people did were existing. They just weren't the way that he was told to been. Right. It, is kind of a weird love letter between father and son, where it's just like, "Here is the truth. Here is this thing. I'm finally giving you this," um, which yeah. is and, so and, sweet.
1: And that last moment with with him going into the river yeah. and the, the story uh, of it Lord. all is just so it's so beautiful. You know, bringing everyone back, like bringing Carl the giant mm-hmm, back, and mm-hmm. on a light on a lighter note, story, like screenwriting wise, the <laughs> What I appreciate about this is how confident the script oh, is. Oh god, yes. Because like like on what is this, page one sixteen. Uh right after or right when he's telling the story. So Will is telling the story, mm, right? Right. <laughs> so it says um exterior Glenville Boulevard day story version. (laughs) I feel like me, I would have sat there for like a week. Like, okay, how do I I explain this this
0: between the wheel and the not?
1: And then it's just so simply like, yep, nope, this is the story version.
0: Okay. And and then the last thing on my end, um, when it comes to just on the writing level, again, talking about scene description Mm -hmm. in, in the, when he's telling the story about how they leave the hospital and they're, they're driving um, it says interior hospital room day reality tight on will trying to hold back tears as he talks will, and we have to take Glenville to avoid all the church traffic because those damn church people drive too slow, tight on Edward, enjoying that detail. He's focused completely on <laughs> Will's story. I, I just that, just that cause he's proud of his son in that moment. So he's like, Oh, that is, I would say that that's, that's, that's <laughs> the thing. I think that makes it feel real. That's really good yeah. in that moment. I think they understand each other. And they're operating on the same wavelength For the first time in their lives And it's a very intimate, personal Important moment for the pair of them um, And I just think it's beautiful I think that that scene of Edward's death Is one of the most beautiful pieces of writing And honestly of execution um, It's probably mm-hmm. my favorite moment of Tim Burton's work um, It's It's some of the best screenwriting I've ever read and it, it it comes together in this moment that ties every loose end together in a story that isn't very plotty, but is just steeped mm-hmm. in emotion. And that emotion wells up. It's just the right moment at the end there, with the music soaring and all the people, and you know what's really happening. What's heartbreaking is you know what's really happening, but you know in Edward's head, this is what he's seeing. And then at the end, he's just like, yep, that's that's how it happens. And and he dies.
1: A man becoming his stories. And then to end the, the screenplay with, you know, a, a fat and happy catfish swims towards us. And in that way, he becomes immortal. I love it. The fish passes us with a splash.
0: The it's just, I love it. it's
1: the most sad. It's a very satisfying script.
0: Final thoughts on Big Fish before we wrap up.
1: Oh, man. I think that... I am thankful for it because I saw it as a child Mm -hmm. and I was completely enamored with and like in love with the idea of storytelling, Mm -hmm. you know, like just as a kid, you get so caught up in it and it's just you know, a fun ride, but then like analyzing it now as an adult or (laughs) trying to be adult. Um, it, it just means so much more because you can see it from, you know, uh, on that emotional level Mm -hmm. that maybe you didn't as a kid, but yet you picked up on it.
0: Right. Right. So it's all there. It's just so consistently acutely brilliant in Mm -hmm. it's, in it's masterful execution uh, on every single level, from 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 screen direction to to dialogue to actual physical structure to as an adaptation, it's incredible because it's a right. it's, it's a it's not just a paint by numbers adaptation. It is a true reimagining for the screen, and I think it's just it's a masterclass on every level that every single person should read and watch the movie of. If you've ever seen Big Fish or read the screenplay, please do both. Um, I cannot recommend those higher as. Brilliant examples of brilliant writing and brilliant filmmaking.
1: Yeah, the screenplay is just as entertaining.
0: It's just entertaining, and frankly, guys, you can find it anywhere. It is it is liberally online. So read it, just just revel in it, and uh, take its lessons and use it in your own stuff if you are so inclined as a writer. Alright, Mads. Well, looks like that's the end of our show. I'm Jeremy. I'm Madison. And Brick.